during the time of the Buddha, it said that he was visited one evening by King Pasanadi of Kosala. We're told that he knocked on the door of the Buddha's kuti, and as he went in, he bowed down with his head to the ground, kissed the Buddha's feet, embracing them with both of his hands, and then announced his name. And then the Buddha asked him, Great King, what reason do you see for showing to this body such profound humility and offering it such loving devotion? And the king replied, To express my grateful thanks, Lord, that is the reason. And then the king went on to express his gratitude to the Buddha for all of the Buddha's wonderful qualities that he had manifest over all the years of his teaching as a result of his Buddhahood. And also King Pasanadi expressed his gratitude for the actual teachings that the Buddha had offered over all of those years. And when he had finished what he had to say, he then said, well, I have to go now. I have work to do. And then he got up and left. What touched me deeply about this particular sutta was that it was entirely about King Pasanadi's gratitude to the Buddha for his teachings and the qualities that he expressed. The Buddha said absolutely nothing other than to ask the king why he had come. He was then silent, gave space to the king to express his gratitude. It's unusual in the suttas for the Buddha not to give a teaching. It's as though this was the teaching, the expression of gratitude. So this is what I'd like to talk about tonight, the, the quality of gratitude and how important it is to bring to the forefront of consciousness acknowledging it as often as we can. As I was preparing this talk, I found myself reflecting on a number of simple experiences that I had had in my life where I had been offered the opportunity to learn something, to come to understand something, or had been supported in some way in my life. And out of this, it allowed for a deep gratitude for these lessons that I had been offered in life. Not least of all, the Buddha. This is where these lessons came from. All walks of life, and not least of all, the Buddha and his teachings. In addition to us being able to evoke gratitude by means of reflecting on certain aspects of our life or people in our life, there's also a very natural gratitude that just flows to the surface. At times,
happens when we're perfectly in tune, you could say, with the moment. When the understanding of the true nature of things just really comes to the fore in the moment. At those times, you'll find that there is a a mingling of gratitude that arises with that understanding that, that comes to the fore in the moment. At these times, you'll see that there is no lack within us. There is no wanting within us. And it's out of that that this gratitude can arise. There is a deep peace and ease, a contentment with the way things are in that moment. And it arises through understanding. It's as though we feel the, the fullness or the perfection of things just as they are, however they may be. When we recognize the gift that we have as human beings, the tremendous opportunity to reach our full potential, to experience and to live a beautiful life, a life that has a quiet joy in it that comes as the result of a growing understanding of the Buddha's teachings. When there's less and less suffering in our life as the result of practice, then we can feel a gratitude for what we have. We have the Dharma. And it's the Dharma that allows for us to reach our full potential. In addition to that, we can also feel a gratitude towards ourselves for putting ourselves in the position to come to understanding, for rising to the occasion, for for meeting the moment so that we can develop a deeper understanding of what it means to be a human being. Because it's important to acknowledge the work that we're doing here and out of that feel a gratitude towards ourselves for what we're doing. Because nothing happens in a vacuum. We don't find ourselves here by chance. It's the result of extremely wholesome work, really wholesome karma that has brought us here. So it's worthy of acknowledging and feeling a gratitude towards ourselves. To acknowledge and express appreciation for the good in life, rather than focusing on the negative, as tends to happen sometimes for a lot of us, is really important because it helps to uplift the mind, brings a a brightness into the mind, transforming it from maybe a, a habitual down state of mind perhaps an habitual cynical attitude to life where we're bogged down by life. When we look to the good, bring gratitude into our life, this transforms the energy in the mind, uplifting it, bringing brightness into the life. So it's worth deliberately doing this. It's important to do this because it balances the energy in the mind.
at the same time, I'm not suggesting for a moment that we attach to happy or pleasant states. That's not what I'm referring to at all. Like looking through rose-colored glasses. It's not that we're ignoring the difficult or the painful times in our lives. It's not as though we're saying, oh, everything's wonderful. It's more that we are including the totality of life into the picture. And this is what we call balance. It's possible that even in the most painful, difficult of situations, if it's seen with a growing understanding, there is space for gratitude to arise. Not in the way that one's told as a young child to, to, to eat your Brussels sprouts because they're good for you. It's more that it comes in a very natural way as a result of growing understanding. Gratitude comes in with that. So at first we find the courage to open to the difficulty that might be there. And as a result of that, we move through that difficulty, transcend it. And the result of that is that we're imbued with gratitude towards ourselves for making the effort and towards the Buddha Dharma. It's as though we ask ourselves the question in life, what is the teaching being offered here? Because if we're not able to receive that teaching in life, well then we can't feel a gratitude. In fact, if we can't receive the teaching that life is offering us, very often we're feeling the opposite. We're feeling resentment or aversion to what life is offering us. So instead of the question being, what is the teaching being offered in this moment, invariably the question would be, why is this being done to me? So you can feel the contractedness in the mind. There's a lot of identification there and, and, and suffering in that, personalizing the experience. So instead, can we use what life offers to us as an opportunity for understanding, an opportunity to develop wisdom and compassion. When there is a sense of, of balance in the mind, of understanding in the mind, gratitude then covers all experiences, not just the pleasant ones. We're there ready to receive both the painful and the beautiful aspects of life. And this shows that there's a developing maturity in the mind, too. If we reflect for a moment on times of difficulty that we may have had in the past and that we've moved through, you'll find that there is an understanding and a strength of heart that has come as a result of moving through that difficulty. Yet when we're in the midst of that difficulty, it's almost impossible 
to recognize the good that's coming out of it. It's almost impossible to feel a sense of gratitude in the midst of that pain. But it's very helpful to look back in hindsight at the difficulties that we've had and moved through. Why? Because in subsequent difficulties, you'll find that there's a staying power and a trust that can come to the fore. Even though we may have now a new difficulty arising, in the midst of that new difficulty, as a result of the work that we've done in the past, there will be a glimmer of wisdom in the midst there. You could say a little bit of light in the darkness where what can come to mind is, this is very difficult right now, but I know I can move through this. I've done it in the past. I know this is impermanent. It too will change and things will be okay. So when we look at this little chink of wisdom that arises in the mind in the midst of this new difficulty, you'll see that there's a little bit of gratitude in there too because we're learning, because we know that we now have the strength to move through this new difficulty. And that's how the Dharma continues to grow for us. That little chink of wisdom grows stronger and stronger, and we develop more and more confidence in our ability to endure and move through difficulties, and consequently, the gratitude in the heart grows too. Because what we're doing all the while that we've been here, this is what the Dharma is all about. It's about letting go. And as we acknowledge the letting go that's happening, the understanding and the letting go that's happening as our practice strengthens, it allows for gratitude to grow too. The Buddha said that there are two kinds of rare and precious people in the world. The first kind are those who are benefactors. Those are people who, are, who help and support us out of the goodness of their hearts. And this would be, the perfect example would be someone like the Buddha. Then there's the second kind of rare and precious being. This is someone who is grateful for the help that others have given them. This is someone who appreciates the support, the teachings that have been offered to them and acknowledges that support in one way or another. So tonight I'm going to go through a range of different possibilities, different areas where we might be offered the opportunity to feel a gratitude for people who have supported us or for lessons that we may have learned in different areas in our lives. Years ago, many years ago now, when one time I went to visit my mother in Cape Town. And my mother lives in a, lived, she's dead now, but at the time she lived in quite a poor part of Cape Town. And it was a kind of a thoroughfare for beggars to walk down the road she lived in. 
because there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken on the corner and there was a, a liquor store on the other corner. So this was the, the road that they would walk down. And from time to time they would knock on her door and ask her for food and you know, this was just a, a routine that happened. One time I was visiting and my mother was out at the time and I opened the door and here was one of these beggars. In Cape Town we call them burgies. Burgies are people who live in the mountain. They've got absolutely nothing. They sleep out either in the streets or out in the mountains. They've got no money whatsoever. They live on what people offer them and invariably they use whatever they have to buy alcohol uh, and, and it's usually in fact not even proper alcohol it's actually a cleaning substance raw alcohol that they drink uh, because this is all they can afford but on this particular occasion this, this beggar's name was Patrick he was well known by my mother he came to the door and I opened it and he said hello and I could see immediately that he had been drinking so I said to him in rather an angry tone oh you're drunk and he looked at me in such a hurt way he was deeply hurt by my response and he said to me in almost like a, a childlike way oh I, I, I'm not drunk and he walked off. For me, this was a tremendous lesson. Did I need to respond to this person who was already down, who had nothing, who was doing the best he could with the life that he had? And that hurt expression that I saw in his eyes was really a beautiful and helpful lesson for me to not need to respond to human beings like that could I come from a place of kindness so all these years later 15 or so years more than that later this man Patrick comes to mind with a deep sense of gratitude for that teaching that he offered me so this is someone that I didn't know well just a person that passed through by day through my life and it was an opportunity for me to learn a lesson and consequently because the lesson is received it's an opportunity for gratitude to arise so this is one way it could be anybody in the, in the street that we can learn a lesson from and consequently feel a sense of gratitude to them. The Buddha also tells us that it's really important to acknowledge our mothers and fathers, our parents, feeling a gratitude towards them. Now this can be very difficult for many of us. Many of us have had difficult upbringings. But can we look to the good as small an amount as that good might be. Perhaps it's just that they fed us. But it's important to acknowledge that. And out of that can we feel a sense of gratitude. 
and if it has been a very difficult upbringing, we can also feel a sense of gratitude that this difficulty that we may have had in our lives growing up is very likely what has brought us to the Dharma. It has brought us to the Dharma to understand what this human existence is all about. Why is it so painful? So we can use the difficulty that we've had growing up in our childhood with our parents as our path to freedom. This is our avenue for liberation to arise, for wisdom and compassion to arise. So there's an opportunity for gratitude to, to arise, even in the midst of a difficult upbringing. Then two, what about our teachers? We can feel a gratitude towards our teachers for the, the patience, the kindness, the time that they've taken to help to explain aspects of the Dharma to us and support us in our ongoing unfolding of our practice. And I'm talking about all of our teachers. Even if we've been practicing for 20, 30, 40 years, think of the person that first maybe introduced you to the Dharma. Sometimes we can forget. It might have just again been a, a passing mention or an offering of a book or a suggestion to go to a particular talk and we've forgotten about it. It happened 30 years ago or something. Yet it's never too late to acknowledge that person and even to express gratitude. After I, I had done one of the long, the three-month retreats that I undertook at IMS, out of the blue, I suddenly remembered my very first Dharma teacher that I had not thought about for years, at least 10 years. And I thought about him and how supportive he had been to me in my practice. He lived with me and my partner for about six months. And he was a very dedicated practitioner and would get up at 5 a.m. every morning. And he had the system of knocking on the bedroom door to wake us up so that we would sit with him. And as difficult as it was, I had to drag myself out of bed. He was there for six months, and I sat every morning with him doing the practices. I have tremendous gratitude for him, for the support that he has given me. And so after that three-month retreat, although I had not been in touch with him for many, many years, I wrote him a letter expressing my gratitude. So I'm not suggesting you do this. It's just acknowledging in whatever way works for us those people that we may have forgotten about that have been uh, a support for us in our practice. When the Buddha was liberated and decided to teach, the first people that came to mind for him were his own two teachers, his own first two teachers who had taught him concentration practice. He wanted to teach his own teachers the path to freedom that he had discovered. I've always found this very moving too because this was an expression 
of his gratitude. He wanted to pay them back. In the very early days of my practice, in the first two or three years of practice in South Africa, an American teacher in the Tibetan tradition came out to Cape Town to give us some teachings. And quite soon after he arrived, I offered to cook a meal for him as a, as a way of, of offering dana. And it was on this occasion that I became aware that he smoked cigarettes and drank Coca-Cola. <laughs> and in my very naive and uh, <laughs> opinionated or idealistic little mind, I was very judgmental of this. To me, this was not what a Dharma teacher should do. <sighs> Yet, this teacher was the one who introduced me to the practice of bodhicitta. Now, the practice of bodhicitta is what we do every morning after the metta chant, where we dedicate our practice and do the practice for the benefit of all beings. So it was this teacher that introduced me to this very important practice that has been an integral part of my practice ever since then. So you can see how the judging mind, the mind that is conceited, full of its own opinions, can limit its ability to recognize the good that's being offered, how it gets in the way of receiving the goodness that's being offered to us. Because we might think that we're better than the person that's offering those teachings to us. And therefore, because we're closed down, we can't appreciate what they're offering us, and consequently, we can't feel any gratitude for the teachings that are being given. Then what about the goodness that's within us already? What about that? What about when we're judging ourselves? I am bad. Here too, when we're judging ourselves, there's no room for us to feel a gratitude for the goodness that is there, the good work that we're doing, and the innate goodness that is there. So this shows how the conceited mind can really limit our ability to receive the goodness that might be there, and consequently, we can't feel any gratitude. Because either way, whether we think I'm fabulous or whether we think I'm terrible, what is that about? It's all about me. That's identification. That's conceit showing itself. So we need to recognize this, notice this when this identification is there. Notice it, not buy into it, and out of that, that sense of appreciation for what others are giving us can be received and receiving from ourselves the goodness that is there which allows for gratitude to flow.
Then what about our fellow yogis? What way might gratitude show itself here? Let's say one evening there's no Dharma talk. And it's a quarter to eight, ten to eight, and we think, oh, I think I'll take an early night tonight. I think I'll go up to my room and just relax, take it easy this evening. And we're just about walking through the dining room, and there we see someone very quietly doing their walking practice, back and forth. And as we see this, we think, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll do a half an hour walking before I go to bed. Not out of competition, but because we're inspired. They have given us a really good shot of energy. Yes, I can do this. I think this is really a good thing for me to do. Out of this, we can feel a gratitude how the Dharma group, the Sangha here that we're working with, can be a tremendous support to us. But then it can work in the opposite way too. Let's say, and this is an example once again from my own practice, from my own experience. One time, again, doing a, a long retreat at IMS, it was a retreat where I began to be aware of particularly tight, contracted energy in my body. A tremendous amount of fear and anxiety was manifesting. And I was, you know, just very grim and, and very, very tight in my practice. And there was a, a young man who used to come to the three-month retreats quite regularly and he used to do a lot of walking meditation in the dining hall, back and forth. And he was Mr. Cool. He was Mr. Don't have a care in the world. He always had this kind of half smile on his face and he would very kind of languidly walk back and forth through the dining hall, almost kind of sauntering, ambling back and forth very very relaxed he used to wear a polytech that had the words discreetly embossed at the top on the back aspen almost as though he had just jetted in from aspen and he was now just languidly doing his walking practice not a care in the world but i would see him in my kind of really contracted tight the mental state and it was oh yes I can relax a little bit it's okay not nothing to worry about take it easy Annie and so just seeing him was very very supportive for me it helped the energy within me relax a little bit it was as though I saw myself as a a tight ball of frozen ice cream that had just come out of the freezer and he was like a half-melted ball of ice cream that was just <laughs> flowing in the dish and it was okay just just relax warm up a little bit it's, it's all going to be okay 
So this is how when I felt tremendous gratitude for him, for giving me this unspoken teaching that he didn't even know that he was offering me. So this is how we can begin to feel a gratitude towards our fellow yogis here on retreat too. Then what about another area that we may feel gratitude? How about when we're being admonished? This almost sounds like a contradiction in terms, doesn't it? Like a bit of an oxymoron. Because when we're being admonished, it hurts. It's painful. Especially if it's hard for us, if we're the type of person that finds it difficult to acknowledge that we've made a mistake somehow. It really can be very, very painful. Yet, if we have it within us to receive that admonishment, to look perhaps at that blind spot, because often it's a blind spot. We don't know that we've been behaving or speaking in an an inappropriate way. Some years ago, I was teaching at IMS and went for a walk during the lunch break with a couple of the other teachers and by chance I happened to mention that I had sent an email to someone and I described what I had said in the email and they both turned to me quickly and very reprovingly said, you said that? How could you? That's not the right thing to say. You know, that's, that's completely wrong. You shouldn't have said that. And in the moment that they said that to me, I suddenly realized that they were absolutely right. Yet it was very painful to receive that reproving response from them. At the same time, I was very grateful. I was deeply grateful that they had showed me a blind spot that I had had, that I had no awareness of at the time. I was in tears because it was really painful, but at the same time, I grew from it. It was a lesson. I was very, very grateful. Here we can see how important the aspect of humility is. Can we humble ourselves enough to acknowledge an unskillful action? To take it in and say, yes, that wasn't so helpful, but I can change. That can be transformed with no judgment. We don't have to judge ourselves at all. It's just a very open-hearted acknowledgement. Yes, this is something that is important to change and we feel a gratitude towards ourselves for our willingness to take in that painful lesson and a gratitude to the other person for showing us that blind spot that we may have. So humility plays a really important part linked to gratitude. In fact, it's the backside of gratitude. When there's humility to receive, it allows for gratitude to come to the fore. In fact, if we take a look at our unfolding practice, we may notice that this is what's happening all the time. As the Dharma is unfolding within us, when we look deeper and deeper into the mind, 
we actually see how deep the, 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 the taints are within us. They're there at a very, very deep level. Greed, hatred and delusion is there in a very, very tenacious way. And as we see it more, it's humbling. Yes, we have a lot of work to do. At the same time, there's a gratitude at the recognition that we can actually see it. That's the first part of the gratitude. The second part is that we're willing to work with it. And the third part is that the Buddha has given us the Dharma so that we can see it and slowly work towards transformation. So there's no judgment in any area here at all. It's all about upliftment, an uplifting movement, not a downward movement, not a pushing down. When my mother was dying of cancer quite a number of years ago now I went out to visit her one time and she used to go to a support group and after one particular meeting I went to pick her up and she said to me Annie I feel so grateful for the life that I have had I'm 63 years old now and I know I'm dying yet when I go to these support groups and I see the young people there 25, 30 years old who also have cancer and are dying I feel so grateful that I have had 63 years to me this was such a beautiful attitude to have at the time of one's death I hoped that at the time of my own death I would be able to hold my life in such a way coming from a place of gratitude rather than from a place of wanting something more so it's, it's important for us to reflect on this and you know take to heart that the teachings that can come to us in so many areas of life a mother when she's dying a beggar our difficult upbringing then what about thinking of our friends our friends in the world to have a trustworthy friend a friend that is there at a time when we need a supportive ear someone to just hear our little gripes our little complaints about things perhaps or perhaps for our vulnerable moments they're just there to hear us not offering any advice any judgment simply there fully present it's a tremendous gift to have someone like that in our life the ability to listen 
is a real art. Because when we are able to simply listen to what someone is telling us about themselves, about their life, in those moments we're giving them the opportunity to simply be who they are. Not asking anything of them. And this is a real gift. Letting somebody be who they are. So we can feel a gratitude for the friends that we have in life who give this to us. Letting us be who we are. Is it also possible for us to learn to be our own trusted friend? Can we learn to listen to ourselves? Hear what is in the depths of our own hearts and desperately wants to be heard and possibly has never been afforded that opportunity to be heard by ourselves. This is something too if we learn to be our own trusted friend. It's worthy of the deepest gratitude because we're then valuing who we are and what needs to be said to ourselves from the inside. So many of us feel bad about who we are as human beings. Our spirits might have been crushed as we were children growing up. To learn to voice what's happening within us, to learn to voice what our inner needs might be, is a tremendous gift that we're giving ourselves. Because out of this, we're slowly going to come to learn to open up to those dark areas within ourselves, learning to let go of them, of the, the fearful aspects of ourselves that we might not have wanted to acknowledge in the past. And so out of this, we learn to slowly let them go, and out of that, we learn to take ourselves a little bit more lightly. It might also mean that we have to take a small and wise risk occasionally. Again, on one of my long retreats, I was standing in line for breakfast, and as I got up to the, the, the table where the food was to serve myself, I saw that they had made cookies for breakfast. Now, as a child growing up, one of the many areas of difficulties was that manners were very important in my family. You said please, you said thank you, you were very polite, and you weren't greedy. So, on this particular day, I get to the food table, and there they've got these cookies. And usually the cookies are more or less the same size, right? But sometimes there are a couple that are a bit bigger. So I'm standing there and I think to myself, I want a big cookie. 
and I'm going to take it. That's what I want and that's what I'm going to have. So I took this big cookie. It was a huge risk. I felt that all hundred eyes were on me. Of course they weren't, but that's what it felt like. And I took this cookie and you know what? I lived. I wasn't arrested. It, it, it was fine. In fact, nobody even noticed except me. But this was a big area of letting go. As small as it, as it was, it was also big because I could let it go. Next time it was big cookie, small cookie, any cookie, it didn't matter. He let go of that contraction and personalizing and identifying with this little area, which was actually a big area for me, in my practice. Thereafter it didn't matter. Whatever I took was fine. And out of that, there was a tremendous appreciation, a tremendous gratitude that I had taken that little risk because it brings growth. So can we find these areas? They can be small to the outside world, but big to us. And out of the, our willingness to have the courage to work with them, we grow. And gratitude grows too. Can we learn to use everything that comes to us in life as a teacher? Everything, every person in life can be a teacher for us. If we're able to receive those things in life as teachers, and if we are, then we can feel a gratitude towards life rather than a resentment. Because for each of us in life, we take the Dharma as our refuge, the Buddha Dharma as our refuge, but then for each of us, we find our area of growth, our area of letting go that needs to come about. And it's different for each of us. And it's mindfulness that will tell us where we need to grow at any particular time in our lives. So for some of us it might mean that we need to be more engaged in life. For others of us it may mean we need to be possibly more alone or more active, spend more time with our families. For each of us it can be something different. At the end of one particular long retreat that I did, I saw that I had an overwhelming fear of life. Very, very fearful. It was almost as though the feeling was that a lightning bolt would come out of the sky and incinerate me for being a human being almost as though I had no right to be a human being on the planet. And during this retreat, I had spent a lot of time down at the local pond, which was a few hundred yards 
down the road from the retreat center called Gaston Pond. I would sit there quite a lot as part of my practice. And there were two little dogs that lived right near this pond. One was called Echo and another one, little black and white dog. And I was sitting there one time and watching these two little dogs playing. And I asked myself the question, what is the teaching being offered here? And as I watched these two little dogs playing, I saw that the teaching was to see how carefree these little dogs were as they played together. Just having fun in quite an unselfconscious way. Just enjoying themselves. And out of that I began to feel just a tiny bit oh, maybe it's okay for me to enjoy life a little bit. To have a little bit of fun that I wasn't going to get into trouble for doing this. That maybe it was okay to be a human being and could I feel a little bit safer. So out of seeing this teaching, I realized that this was the area of growth for me in my life. So at the end of the retreat, when I went back home, I began to spend a lot of time in the, the nature park that I lived quite near, watching the children play. Children of four, five, six years old, their parents were there just playing, kicking the ball to each other. I would go near, almost on a daily basis for, for quite a long period of time. And out of this, drinking in their sense of carefreeness, you could say, I really did begin to feel that I wasn't going to be incinerated for being a human being. That it was okay to have ordinary worldly fun. And out of this I began to learn to appreciate life more and actually to learn to play the game of life. And out of this, a gratitude arose, a gratitude for the Dharma. Gratitude can arise for the Dharma when we recognize the scope of the Dharma, that it doesn't limit or narrow our lives in any way. In fact, it renders it wide open, very wide open. The result of working with the Dharma in this way, using all aspects of life to grow from, is that there is this expansiveness to life. We have the sense of ease that comes through understanding and wholesome living and an expansiveness to life. It would be wonderful if we could learn to see life as an offering, offering goodness, wholesomeness to the world for the benefit of all beings 
and also seeing life as a gift. A gift that we can learn from on the path to liberation. There's nothing stopping us from living life in this way except ourselves. So let's sit together for a few moments. close the evening with the sharing of the blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.